Welcome back to the show. This is Talk That Talk, brought to you by CEG Central Entertainment Group. This week's guest is none other than Charles Edorama, a social media extraordinaire, fashion icon. If you're not following this man on Twitter and Instagram, it's a must that you do. His fashion game is unbelievable. Definitely inspires me, even though I don't think I could pull off some of the things that, that he puts together. But, man, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it's an honor to be here with you both. So thank you so much for the time. I remember you came into our office just a few months ago and you stepped in from head to toe. I was just like, who is this guy? Why doesn't the world know him? He's got to be working for some fashion company. But I did a little bit of research on you. Graduate of NC State and yep. a bachelor's degree in mechanical engineering. Yep. Can you let's back up a little bit. How did you go from mechanical engineering to the social media guru that you are today? Uh, uh, that's a long, long story, but the quick cliff notes version is essentially, I went to school for engineering. My parents wanted me to do it, right? I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I kind of did it for them. Um, but as a kid, I, I always gravitated towards the arts and design and creating. Like I'm, I'm a creator by nature. Um, and a really pivotal time in my life was late high school i had an amazing teacher who taught creative writing it was my final year of high school and that really got me into the arts truly um and i think writing became it kind of became my like escape in a lot of ways i was writing poetry short stories and just random things um and then in college i guess two and a half years before i graduated i realized i didn't want to do engineering i, didn't want to, I also got a minor in political science i was thinking i might be a lawyer i was like i want to do either of those um, so I started to write and, and I, and, and a position accidentally fell into my hands where I was able to write editorially for two years, covering entrepreneurs and startups and interesting people. And it got my like journalistic kind of nature out. And around the same time, I, because I was around so many entrepreneurs, I started uh, my own small t-shirt company. Um, I taught myself how to sew, I taught myself how to screen print. And then I made like designs for shirts and stuff. Uh, and so those two things really kind of kept me sane, I guess, um, during college and, and helped me kind of parlay some of those skills into marketing because one of the one of the companies that I ended up writing about hired me after I graduated college for copywriting and like general marketing stuff. That's awesome, man. And then, you know, I, I think what we learned, you know, and obviously I've known you for a little while, right? So, but, you know, looking at, you know, what you express on social, you know, it's, that that yearning for for learning and always wanting to educate yourself, I know is super important for you. So, just tell us a little bit more about about that and and how your your journey into social plays a role into that thought. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the most important things overall, regard, I mean, definitely for social, but overall in general, in life is just curiosity, right? Like that ability to continue to want to stay. Humble number one, because learning is, a, is like a journey. It's a humble journey in a lot of ways if you're doing it right, where you're realizing that you don't know anything, right? Like that's why you're trying to learn. That's why you're stepping outside of your comfort zone and being curious to get that knowledge about whatever it is you want to learn about. Um, I think that's a skill that has to be developed if you want to be excellent at anything. And in order to be curious, you have to be willing to go through this journey of self-discovery, number one, but also just failure right because you're not going to know how to do something you're not going to know 
you know, the best ways to do something and that's okay. You have to be, you have to reconcile with yourself that that's okay to fail. That's okay not to know how to do certain things in this journey to learn how to be good, how to be better, how to be great at whatever you're doing. Um, so for me, I think that's like super important and something that I've, I mean, thankfully I've always had kind of coded into my DNA um, as a kid randomly. I would, uh, I don't know why I was fascinated with encyclopedias. Um, but I was, and so I was the kid that was like, you know, looking at my bookshelf, grabbing a random encyclopedia and like learning about just what's an aardvark or like what, you know, these random like things and people and stuff. So I don't know, that's always just been coded for me. So I think that's been a, a really fortunate thing in my, in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, usually with encyclopedias, I was usually throwing them in the classroom or, you know, not really opening them to read them. So we had different use cases there, but something that you said, you know, really sparked, you know, a thought for me. And I think, you know, we see a lot of conversation on Twitter and LinkedIn about social media, social media managers who are, are struggling uh, for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, I think there's a, an element of, you know, lack of, you know, uh, confidence and maybe lack of having that feeling that their their peers understand them or they're fully knowledgeable about who they are, what they do and the skills that they have. Um, and I know that you've mentioned something like that, you know, as well. So what that dynamic of people you work with not understanding and being fully educated on your skill set and what you do and what you provide and bring to the table, how can social media managers kind of combat that? It's a really tough question. Um, I think number one, just to acknowledge like that's hard and that's unfortunate that like our industry and people and still have to go through that situation. So I think that's, that's first and foremost. I think the second part is um, some really good advice I got once was just that in terms of, I mean, again, regardless of what industry, but obviously we're talking about social, it's, not necessarily anyone else's job to know what you do. And that's a weird thing to say because counterintuitively, it makes sense to know what your counterparts are involved in so that you can better plug in and support and, and so forth and so on. But that's not often the case. I mean, very well, it's not the case, right? So if you go down this mindset that people aren't, they don't, they don't know what you do and they don't care what you do. I think the job and the onus is on you then to educate them and to bring up your value. And that's where the hard part comes in because not a lot of people know how to advocate for themselves or how to bring up their value intrinsically or professionally or whatever. Um, and I think that's the skill that has to be developed. Um, I mean, as early as possible for me, like, thankfully, like I went to school for engineering, so I come from a completely different background. So I know that I know how to do stuff. <laughs> like no one needs to tell me that like, because I, I went through a really challenging major for myself and like I know that I'm able and capable of like going through challenges and hurdles and advocating for the things that I had to do. I mean, um, in engineering, like it's all about you know, proofs and supporting and showcasing how you got from point A to B. Same thing in a lot of ways with political science. It's about how you advocate and articulate ideas and, and debate properly. So those are skills that I didn't know that I was developing. Um, but my majors actually helped me learn how to advocate for the knowledge that I believe that I have. And that's incredible. And I think as you, as you walk me through and you walk us through your career from how your mechanical engineer degree has helped 
tee you up for a successful social media career. You don't just graduate college and become a manager. A manager is a skill. Um, it's a leader. And you mentioned, you know, taking notes from other people and almost staying in your lane. What your skill set is, is different, different from your peers and then honoring, you know, this is your niche. This is what you're really good at. And this is what I'm really good at. Let's find a way to create really cool work. And, and something you might've mentioned on, it was either LinkedIn or Twitter. You said the best managers I've ever had knew how to lead with empathy. Can you kind of elaborate on that thought and, and where that came from? Yeah, I mean, I, I, as someone who's thankfully um, kind of worked at, a, at multiple places from a finance perspective and in-house, um, I've seen good and bad management um, across the board. And I think one of my favorite managers, she, the ability that she had was to hone in on people's skill set, their strengths, um, and really bring that out really shine light, call it out, praise it. Um, and when mistakes were made, help them, not necessarily push it under the rug, but help them battle through it so that they can learn something as a result. And for me, like that was the best form of empathy that I had seen from a manager because she placed herself in a lot of ways in my shoes and as an individual and as a creative and also had awareness of the space that we played. And I think that's, that's a really important piece that a lot of people, unfortunately, don't have from a social perspective, that their managers or, the, or people within C-suites, they can't place themselves in our shoes because they've never done it, which makes leading with empathy, especially professionally, um, really challenging. Um, I think, you know, in, in my case, I've also seen the opposite, where it's like, because they don't have that true knowledge of social or this industry, it's like, they're leading from a place that's completely different and not necessarily relying on, on the manager's expertise. They're bringing in their own, own whatever, and they're completely ignoring the people that are actually in it day to day. Um, and that's like the exact opposite of what you want to do, which is where a lot of managers, social managers find themselves, unfortunately. Yeah, that's, that's definitely the case. And, you know, I think, you know, what it, what it comes down to now is, you know, when you're passionate about things that you're doing, right? That's when you put your best foot forward. That's when your skills really come to the surface. And I think there's probably a lot of instances where your passion kind of gets pushed to the side um, when you're dealing with, let's just call it what it is, bad leadership. Um, and I know there's, there's some, a lot of chatter out there within the social industry about, you know, leadership and not being able to fully, you know, take advantage of, of an opportunity or showcase your skill set. Um, what's your take on getting advice from someone and them telling you, you know, not to, not to be passionate about something that you truly believe in and to only focus on maybe the task that they want you to accomplish? Uh, that's, that's one that like ruffles my feathers, to be honest. Like I, you know, I, <laughs> I had that at my, my last role, like, and it was the first, I don't know that I'd say the first time, but it was, it was one of the most alarming times in my professional career because I'm so senior in what I do at this point that like to have someone who for all intents and purposes, wasn't as experienced, honestly, within the industry as I was tell me not to do things that I've been doing my entire career that I know has helped me get to this point. Um, and that I know other individuals 
not just within the social industry doing um, was really kind of a, it wasn't even a pill that I had to swallow. It was just alarming. Like I knew very quickly that like this individual was not necessarily someone that had my best interest in mind. Um, So I think that the trick with that is to really bet on yourself. Like I'm a huge proponent and something I've done my entire career is bet on yourself. It's not easy and I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Uh, but if you believe that you're good at what you do and you're, or you're, you're on that path to be as good as you want to be, um, regardless of feedback, like if you have something that you believe is building a skill in you that you want to develop, do it. Like it doesn't matter if it, I mean, it doesn't matter if it needs to be under the table, if it doesn't matter if, you know, you can find opportunities at your work to do it, but any opportunity that you have identified that can help you build a skill um, that you really value or that you want to value that you know will push you forward in your industry, you have to, you owe it to yourself to go ahead and do it. <laughs> so that's, that's the only thing. I, my advice is to just yeah. listen, basically. <laughs> no, it's great. It's like knowledge is power. And I've gone through these motions and I, I've learned and done some things on the side. You can call them passion projects. And philosophy for me is, is one of those new things. And there's that saying, do you live to work or work to live? And in, inevitably, you need to work to be able to stay in a living. So that's within the parameters of, let's say, nine to five or 10 to six. But you mentioned the work that you do outside of it. What is something that, you know, not many people know, or maybe if they follow you on Instagram already, is a passion project of yours? And how do you separate that from the job that you were hired to do? Um, that's a great question. So I've, I've really have two. I mean, writing is still a big kind of passion project. I'm very selective in terms of where I finance. Um, it's usually about, you know, gosh, on our shoe, sneaker, um, streetwear culture. Uh, but I'll, I'll occasionally freelance and just write pieces around things that I really care about. Um, so that's one. And the other is, uh, I guess, more from a design standpoint. So one of the things that I've tried to do in my career is just be as multifaceted as possible. On paper, on my resume, you'll see very much strategy work. Outside of work, you'll see, if you're looking, writing. You'll also see a lot of creation that I do either for myself or for brands. One of the things I started doing this year in particular from a creation standpoint was pretending that I was an art director, creative director, or marketing manager of brands that I cared about. And so I would place myself in those brands and be like, okay, I'm whatever of this brand, who would I want to collaborate with? Okay, I maybe will collaborate with company B. So I would merge that together and I would design pieces around what that collaboration looked like. Logos, um, products, mainly within streetwear again, um, and, and sneakers as well. And then I would you know, design a color palette and, and then put an explanation as to why I put these pieces together. And for me, that was, uh, I mean, it still is, that's an exploration of not only like me building skills in terms of design, using Photoshop, using Illustrator, all these different things. Uh, it's also a flex of like the marketing mindset, because when you think about the art of collaborations, like obviously so many of them happen every single day, every week, but there are ones that truly stand out and stand through the test of time. And for me, I think New Balance is like best in class. I mean, Balenciaga I think does a great job as well, but New Balance from like, a more consumer level, um, I think has done a great job from a partnership standpoint. And I wanted to try to replicate their level of thinking and intentionality uh, with what I did and, and kind of learn those skills without having to be in, in a new balance or in a, at a kit or whatever. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I've looked at your Instagram. I see the, I see the fashion. I see the shoes. I see everything. When you look for a brand on resonating with not just their image, but maybe their ethos, what are the things that you look for as far as what gravitates you towards New Balance particularly or, or other brands that you, you wear head to toe? Yeah. Um, that's a great, that's another great question. I think for me, it's, do they understand the culture? Like, do they understand the people that they are selling to? Do they have partners that understand the people that they're selling to? I'll bring up New Balance because we're, we're talking about that, but there's so many that I can rattle off. Um, Joe Fresh Goods, who's a, a really cool and awesome black creative in the Chicago area, brings so much good to that community, does so much good for kids and the community within Chicago. Like his partnership with New Balance is probably one of my, my top favorites. Um, they recently put out a campaign for a shoe that they launched a few weeks ago. There's another one coming out in a few weeks, but the one that was last month was uh, called in, Join Our Conversation or Inside Voices. He has like these different mantras. And the campaign around it was the unspoken dialogue between black individuals. And so there were skits about, you know, different things happening and, and like the black interpretation of these moments where you're with someone else and you acknowledge that they did something interesting or something good. Um, and just like a celebration of those like unspoken moments. And I thought that was so brilliantly put together because that showed me that New Balance took themselves out of the equation and allowed like people involved day-to-day black individuals to come up with a story that really resonated with them. Um, and as a result, I mean, his products always sell out incredibly quick, go for, you know, leaps and bounds above market value on the secondary market. Uh, but just that, that storytelling ability to be able to really find and share those nuances and allow people to share those nuances, I think is what New Balance does an excellent job at. So brands like that, that, that understand those nuances, I think is what gets my part. Yeah, that's incredible. And, you know, you, you touched on storytelling, you stu- you touched on how a brand, you know, activated, you know, creators and individuals. And, you know, obviously we focus a lot on influencer marketing here at CEG. Um, I consider you an influencer, whether you want to admit that or not, it is what it is, you know, but let's talk about influencers and let's talk about the space a little bit. Where's your mind at on both sides as a creator? And then also um, for brands who are either tapping or not tapping influencers at the moment for their, for their marketing strategy. Yeah, I mean, I think I've always had a different philosophy about influencers. For me, I, I view them more as curators, right? Like, I think the art of curation is also a very important skill. Um, and I think that as an influencer, for me, that means that you are a curator of information, style, of design, whatever industry you're in, you're a curator of knowledge about that industry or that thing. Um, that inspires and forms and can help move the needle for a specific audience. So I, I view it that way. And for me, that helps because there's so many like influence out there that just that, that all look the same and just kind of have the same mantras, work with the same brands, or, or recycled around a lot. And I've, I've seen that in agencies that I've worked with and, and in-house with brands that I've worked with. An influencer that we worked with like this week is like next week working with a very similar, maybe not a direct competitor, um, doing a very similar thing. Uh, and so for me, I, there, there's some like, I don't know, some hesitation around those type of influencers uh, for me personally. But I think 
you know, within that space, it's, it's incredibly important. Like it's always been important. Influencer marketing, I guess, became like a really big thing over the past five, five years, I would say maybe. Um, but influencer marketing has always been a thing. I mean, if you look through, through history, brands have always wanted to align themselves with people who have influence, people who have, you know, cultural taste and whatever it is. Um, so this isn't a new concept. I think it's new in terms of the media landscape, uh, but it's still very important in terms of understanding the audience that you want to be a part of and picking the right individuals, whether they're you know, true influencers or, you know, curators, as I would like to think of them, whichever one, make sure that they're in the right space and that they're speaking the language appropriate for your brand, but also the audience that you A, have or B, want to capture. So I think the nuance there is understanding the space that you want to plan, the space that you want to be aligned with, and then moving in sync with those individuals that can help you help you speak that language to your audience. Absolutely right. You know, I, we spoke about this maybe on a, a past show or two. You know, it's about really understanding what you're looking for, what your audience wants, and then doing your research and spending the time to find the proper curators and creators to match that. You know, I think we find a lot of times people want to tap into influencer marketing and they, they look at the van the vanity metrics and they look at the big numbers. And then when they don't see that success that they're looking for, they step away from it. And they now have this perception of influencer marketing doesn't work. It's, a, it's just a waste of money um, because they approached it the wrong way. So, you know, I could not agree more. And then another topic that has come up recently is, you know, kind of like the 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 mental stamina um, aspect of not only being an influencer, but also working in social media, maybe working in marketing as a whole and kind of how people don't get enough credit for that. You know, I know you tweeted about that as well. So just what's what's your what's your your take on that? Right. Like, why aren't people getting the credit for how much mental stamina it takes to do what we do on a day to day basis? In part, it goes back to something that we spoke about earlier. People don't understand what we do. They don't know all the things that we have to turn through, that we have to understand, we have to interpret, we have to decode <laughs> to get where we get. Uh, and that's the unfortunate part. Like they think, they think that this that this is that anyone can do this, which technically anyone can run a social account, yes, but to do it correctly, and like it, very few people can do it. Correctly. And I think it's that that low barrier to entry in terms of the understanding around social that allows people to have these like outlandish thoughts and, and even discount issues that a lot of social managers have. Like burnout is another big thing, right? The churn rate that we have because we have to go through like so much so much information, number one, but also do so much. Like oftentimes they're the they're designer, they're the photographer, they're the they're a creative producer, they are the copywriter, they are the copy editor, they handle the paid stuff. Like there's so many little tasks that we have to do that are not accounted for and that seem easy when you look at them in their singularity, but when you put them together day in and day out, like that's just it's just too much to handle. Um, and again, people just balance it. It's actually a topic we hit on. I wanna say episode one or episode two, where like within social media, there's all of these sub departments and to have your social media manager master every single one of those skills from the photography 
to the graphic design to actually managing the account and and coming up with witty captions. It's it's really a lot to focus on. And so figuring out we and we mentioned it earlier in this conversation, what is that one skill set out of all the tools in your tool, toolbox? What is the one tool that you're you're most efficient at? And I think when it goes to you building your own personal brand and having those passion projects outside of your nine to five and, and your day job, how important is it as a social media profess- professional to be knowledgeable on managing a brand's account? And then how does it differ from managing your own account? Um, personal accounts, I mean, people have their own opinions. I'll, I'll just speak for myself and say that my personal account has always been used as an experimental tool. Um, and where I, I try the most, you know, outlandish things or what the simplest things or whatever and see how it works. Um, it's now changed a little bit to be more of a exploratorial thing where I'm involved more in, like, in the design of things. Uh, but I think that, that I'm still learning skills that I can apply directly to, um, you know, any in-house or freelance opportunity that I have. So I think that's always been the key that I've found the most productive using yourself as the guinea pig and then extrapolating skills and, and tools that you can then immediately and directly apply to brand accounts. I think the big challenge, obviously, with brands is that, you know, there, there's a lot of red tape, right? There's things you can't say, there's things you can't do. Um, and I've been in many rooms before where I've had to say that, like, the reason certain things aren't doing well as a brand is because you need to take a stance. You need to be, you can't be afraid to, to like, to say, point A or point B, like if you're squarely in the middle of that fence, no, who cares about you? Nobody cares about you because you haven't picked a side, which unfortunately now you have to pick sides. Um, and that's the easier thing that you can do in a personal account. You can very clearly pick a side and you can say F it to whoever doesn't believe you or doesn't like it. And you can say thank you to everyone who does. But a lot of brands still, you know, very, and we all get it. You have to make money at the end of the day. They very much would rather stay in the middle versus have a strong stance around something that can really galvanize the people that believe in the brand. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I met you, I knew that you had something, something unique, whether it was off screen, on screen. And so as you, as someone scrolls through your Instagram or maybe your Twitter and the language you use, how would you best describe your personal style? Um, So personal style, I guess I'll speak to language first. I think it's just, I don't know. I'm really direct. Like I'm not one that beats around the bush. Like I just like, I have a problem with something, say it for better or for worse. It's always gotten me in trouble, but it's always led to good things as well. Um, and then I think from like a, just like a stylistic thing, I don't know. I just like, I like standing out and I've always enjoyed just trying to do things different than the flow of, of how everybody else is doing stuff. And so for me, I, I always, I'm one that tries to, Again, like I live my life as an experiment, like try to do things as different as possible, learn from what what happened and, and the end result, and then iterate on that and do something crazy and interesting uh, as well, again, later. So I don't know. I think it's just experimental. Again, curiosity kind of goes into that, just the exploration of trying to do fun, interesting things and live differently, you know? That's awesome, man. And, you know, I think... Uh... You know, obviously me knowing you and, and, and having a lot of, you know, back and forth conversations on Twitter, there's there's been a lot of things that, you know, we've covered and we talked about and, you know, a lot of things that I know are very important to you and I and, and, and those that are within the social community. And we're always trying to help and build, right, and, and lead people in the, in the right d- direction. And 
you know, we have the, the, the Slack community together. You're one of the admins and, you know, I definitely appreciate for you for being, being one of them. Um, so we ask everyone, you know, like what's, what's the realest piece of advice <laughs> that you have for someone in social right now <laughs> or looking to start a career in social media? Um, let me, I guess I'll rattle off a few that, that come to mind. Um, this is not easy. Uh, number one, this is a hard profession and it is glamorized, but it is not easy. Number two, you have to learn how to advocate for yourself because no one will. That is something that you, you have to learn how to take time off. You have to learn how to say no. You have to learn how to push back. Like those are things that are not taught really professionally. And it's not quote unquote kosher to do, I guess, in a lot of ways, but no one else is going to do it for you. And if you don't learn how to do it, you will burn yourself out very quickly. Um, I think that's two. I think number three is really just like try to have fun. Like, I don't know, in a lot of ways it's, it, it is hard, but it's, it's fun. Like the ability to be able to be involved in so many different things is not something that everyone else gets to do. You get to learn about so many different things and be knowledgeable about the most random things um, that end up helping you learn how to do something or inform how you do something else. So I think that in itself is, is a blessing. So, so be thankful for that. And I think um, a, a third thing or a fourth thing is like really find advocates on other teams. Right? I think social is such a cross-functional thing that it's really hard to, <laughs> to like stand on the line and like fight alone. Um, and if you don't have people on your team that are really advocates for you or even have a team, I think if you are able to find individuals on other cross-functional teams that you work with to support you, to, you know, take things a little bit easier on you and, and explain what you do to them to build that relationship, that always makes things a lot easier, I've found. Um, I know, so those are kind of four that, that come to mind. I'm sure there's many others, but those four were it. No, those, those are four amazing ones. And, you know, I think let's let everybody know where they can find you on social so that they can get more of that advice and that daily knowledge that I know that you, you drop, you know, on social. Thanks. Um, I, I'm on all social, I mean, Twitter, Instagram, Behance, uh, Pinterest, whatever. Uh, but my handle is Charles Jr. But the A is a V, so C-H-V-R-L-E-S Jr. And that's where I hang out on the internet, doing internet things. That's awesome, man. Well, listen, we appreciate your time. We appreciate your knowledge. As I said in the beginning of the show, you definitely inspired me um, to step up my my fashion game and uh, to get more creative and think outside the box, not only in that area, but also um, when it comes to social media, man. So we thank you guys. So thank you so much. And, and thank you for talking that talk with us. Uh, pleasure, Anthony. Thank you, Allie. So, so good to see you both. Anthony, we'll, we'll have to get you that beanie with the uh, safety pen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> He's going to put that part in the show, too. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That, that, that's good. I, this is my go-to. It's sick. It looks great, man. All right, well, thanks again so much for, for being on the show with us, man. Likewise. You guys have a good rest of your day. All right. Take you care. You too.